game at the 41-yard line. And Bradford fires, and it's caught on the run. And inside the 10 into the end zone goes Matthews for a touchdown to win the game. Oh man, this is like a fire drill over here or something. <laughs> Damn clip on NFL.com was giving me agita. Welcome to the show. The season five, episode thirty-six. I was thinking yesterday we're getting closer and closer to the end of the season, and we need to think of that one thing to do to close what has been maybe the best season we've had. What's the most episodes we've ever done in a season? I think season one we did around fifty. Really? Yeah, but we were doing we doing two a week, two a week sometimes, and we definitely didn't do the long form ones. We'd split them up if they had enough interviews. We were still finding our way there. I, yeah, I don't know how that would number out if we kind of were doing it. I imagine if we ranked every episode, like say for just season one, since that's the longest, versus this season, which is probably the second longest. I think top 36 shows would all be from this season compared to season one that could be true there was good interviews in oh, season sure. one yeah, there was some, sure we just didn't know what we were doing no I, I'm amazed we had 50 episodes I think that that's a fact yeah yeah I, I mean it'd be easy enough to look up I'll look it up uh, but I feel like it's been such a good season that I, I want to find a, a special way to kind of cap it you know mm-hmm like a signature moment. So I think more than other seasons, I don't think that there's been a clear cut best moment of the year. Okay. Whereas it's just been, I think just week after week after week, I think we've just been putting out really good podcasts. Yeah. I told you we were texting back and forth a little bit about this. And I said, I haven't walked away after a podcast going, well, that just felt weird. Or that felt flat this week. They've all felt pretty Pretty solid. Yeah, we've at least, had, at least our best effort. We've had week. our flat ones in the past, and we've admitted it to each other. We've done segments, and then we finished the segment and said, "We're not airing that." Yeah, yeah. You know, so. But I just feel like we really hit a stride this year, and I love to figure out what that final piece. I have an idea of what I might like it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I can pull it off, but I will try. Sweet. Uh, it is season five, episode thirty-six, November twelfth, two thousand fifteen. Uh, Ed Sherman is on the podcast today. Uh, his book about Babe Ruth, which was a book club book of the year last year, is out on paperback. And uh, of course, I wanted to give Ed, who's a close friend of the show, a chance to promote his book in paperback. And I also wanted to get a Chicago perspective on the Kane thing. Oh yeah, okay. You know, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about sports media. I want to talk about what the what the run was like for the Cubs and how it compared to the Blackhawks runs recently. Okay. You know, how the Cubs being the team, uh, how the Blackhawks can, can stand up to that. And uh, we'll have to find out just how sick of uh, Jay Cutler <laughs> they are. 
<laughs> in Chicago as well. I've always said Jay Cutler hates having footballs hit the ground. Like he would rather they go to a, someone on the other team than have them hit the ground. That's probably true. Um, also, I want to do a mid-season NFL spot with someone. Okay. Um, and I have a few emails out. I don't know for sure yet. Uh, not Aaron Schatz. <laughs> he said no. Okay. Um, he's busy, I guess. Uh, so we'll find someone who's not busy to do that. You know, one thing that's changed about the podcast this year is that the interviews are usually later in the week. Right. And the, the podcast is usually going up on Thursdays. Yes. And uh, I think that that has worked better. You know, sometimes we get screwed where something big happens between us recording, you know, us recording on Tuesday. News, yeah. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe that's something we can talk about adjusting in the future, maybe switching our day to Thursday. But that's basically how we've been doing it mostly is that we've been recording on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And then I think I made a conscious decision at some point. We're going to do better booking guests if we're very flexible. It's more flexible beyond Tuesday. So first three years of this show, it was like Monday or Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday. Right. You know, but now it's really Monday through Thursday, uh, and that that's helped us quite a bit. Um, so we got Ed Sherman today, and we're also going to do a midseason uh, football spot. We also have to have uh, not today, but we have to have Luke Win in, okay, and see what's going on with college basketball. The Sports Illustrated that came in the mail this week had uh, the the sport the uh, college basketball preview. And, like, number four was Duke. Number one was North Carolina. You know, number two was Kentucky. Or, okay. You know, it seems like it's one of those years where the traditional powers going into the season are highly touted. So we got to do that. And also we haven't done anything NBA yet. So we got to get Lee in or – because they're playing ball. And we haven't touched it. Uh, so we got to get someone in to talk – about that at some point. Right. So those are things on the radar uh, as well here in the next couple of weeks. And I'm still working on Wright Thompson. The um, editor? Yeah. There was some hope. Um, and I don't know, maybe that hope, maybe that candle is a flicker. Okay. And it may have flickered out. Oh. I don't know. Uh, but for now, let's just do three things. Let's play a game. All right. Mm-hmm. Count of three. One. Alrighty. I'll take it off. Two. The oil patterns on a PBA lane are very, very difficult. Three. I might be able to beat Jamarcus Russell at quarterback. <laughs> Did we just become best friends? Yep. Well, the biggest news of the day and probably the biggest news of the week is Andrew Luck is hurt. And it's an injury that sounds really terrible. <laughs> I didn't hear what it was. I did hear that he was hurt, though. A lacerated kidney. Oh. Yeah, that's rough. Uh, multiple abdominal injuries um, and a lacerated kidney. Now, San Diego shut down Keenan Allen for, last for a, a spleen, si- similar right? injury. His was spleen, yeah. And I don't know if 
like I said, there's multiple. Yeah, something about injuries. something about the Keenan Allen thing made it life threatening, though. I believe he was in the hospital. And well, spleens like, are really like that's why you can't play sports when you have mono. Oh, okay. You know, because if your spleen ruptures, like you can die from that. Okay, right. Uh, but yeah, the timeline of the injury is weird too. They're giving him his window right now is two to six weeks. Usually, it's a little tighter than that, but I guess probably just depends on. Yeah, that's how just, fast his insides heal. I guess that's I just know. an all over there kind of a thing, and. That division was sort of up for grabs as it was. Now, Hasselbeck is a decent backup. Yeah, 2-0, you know, right, I think, this year? He's not a guy that, and if NFL.com's just going to start a video on me, I apologize. Um, but um, <laughs> we talked to somebody. I can't remember. Which, why do they do this? Which of our guys is like the NFL every network. site. Yeah. NFL, we talked about, though. They are, they are notorious. And it's bad. an ad, too, so I can't even, like, stop it. God, just fade the music. Um, You can just shut that down, I guess. Uh, we can turn it back up if we need to. Uh, the NFL, the Colts announced that he'll miss two to six weeks with a lacerated kidney and a partial tear of an abdominal muscle. Uh, they don't think that he'll require surgery and a full recovery is expected. Well, that's good to hear. Sure. It's, uh, right, it's, yeah. It's way too early to guess how long Andrew will be out, said Coach Pagano. Uh, we're going to keep listening to the doctors and evaluating his progress on a week-by-week basis. We've got all the confidence in the world in Hasselbeck, and we're not going to put Andrew back out there until he's healed and ready to go. Tough year for Andrew Luck. He hasn't been the best off the field. Uh, he was injured before. Um, he's kind of was involved in this controversy uh, with maybe there was another injury that wasn't reported. Oh right, yeah. Um, and now the team is four and five. Are the Texans, who feel like they've just been one of the worst teams in the world, are actually only one game behind that, and the Jaguars and the Titans who. I don't know, seem to be as bad as the Jaguars and Titans always have been. <laughs> right. Are two and six each and only two games behind. Um, so that could get interesting. And it, it would be really interesting if we had a really random playoff team because luck got hurt and the Colts just couldn't get it home. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely going to get only one team out of that division right now. And I think with... Baltimore not being as good as they have been, and Pittsburgh, really, for that matter. It used to be those two were automatic. Like One was going to win the division, the other was going to be a wild card. Now you're looking at maybe like Oakland getting in like in that last spot. Yeah, I mean, right now you're talking about Oakland, the Jets, and the Bills, really. Right. Are the big team, are the four, at least 500 playoff contenders. Right. And Steelers. Did I say the Steelers? Steelers, Jets, Bills and Raiders are the only four teams in the AFC that are at least 400, 500. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, wouldn't that be funny if the Texans found a way to squeak in or right? I the know Jaguars yeah, got hot. Been, right. I mean, geez, six games. Let's say he missed six games. They've played nine. That's fifteen games. Right, yeah. 
So a lot of pressure on Hasselbeck, like I said. If they, if they play six games and he plays super well, I mean, Matt Hasselbeck plays really well. No. you got I mean, not long term, but you wouldn't keep – I mean, I probably the agree with you. The day that Andrew Luck is ready Yeah, to I probably agree with you, but, yeah. I mean, he's been bad this year. I don't know if he's been bad. He just hasn't been as good well, as sure. where you Yeah, I guess you're Locke comparing him to himself. Being, so, so. Uh, But that was one of just another week of injuries. I thought we had seen the last of Ben Roethlisberger when I seen his play happen. Right. You know, it looked really bad with the foot. And he says he won't rule himself out for Cleveland this week. I'm going to guess he's not going to play. He's going to miss a game or two or three. Mm-hmm. Uh, that team, they just can't catch a break with the injuries at all uh, this year, especially on offense. Um, and the other big injury, um, which you got to feel bad for the guy, uh, is Lewis with New England. Yeah. You know, finally gets a chance in the league, and he's playing so well and just really turning heads, and uh, he's out for the season. And then with the way New England works, you wonder if he ever even gets another sniff there, really. Right, yeah. Because they're just so on to the next guy. James White or Brandon Bolden comes in and plays that role and does well, and they they are heartless when it comes to those decisions. So Yeah, you never know. And then the biggest NFL news of the week, obviously, is uh, Joseph Randall being suspended four games. <laughs> Adjust yeah. your fantasy lineups appropriately. What a disa- Talk about a disaster of a season. I mean, that's a guy, if you just want to talk about fantasy for a second, that's a guy going into the year, people are drafting as like, yeah, I might have a guy here, DeMarco Murray is gone. That offensive that's one of the best, like the best offensive the line yeah. we've seen in years. This guy's going to get the carries. He's got the talents. And that never worked out. Nope. And then he ended up getting in trouble and getting cut and now uh, finally suspended four games without pay. So, bit of a disaster. The Bills. He might never play again. I mean, yeah. just was he anything special there? And now he's got a suspension. I mean, he really blew a golden opportunity there. The Bills would love to play the Dolphins every week. Yeah, no kidding. They got their two best games of the year. Uh man, do they just put it on the Dolphins? I mean, they love to uh, beat them up, uh, which puts them right back in the hunt. It's good to see Sammy Watkins make some plays. Uh, he's going to have to totally overhaul his attitude if he wants to be uh, a player who can thrive in this market. Um, he's, you're never going to be a beloved athlete in Buffalo if you're telling the working class people uh, to fuck <laughs> off on Instagram. Yeah. I think he did say he deleted Instagram and Twitter from his uh, yeah. account or his phone. I think that's a good idea for him. Uh, and the Saints... Uh, did what the Saints do. Um, they bring you back and play those great games, uh, and then they can't beat a one and six team at home because they can't stop them from scoring. Every time they touch the ball, they score. Uh, and when, as an offense, the defense is averaging over thirty points a game <laughs> to give up. So as an offense, you're waking up every Sunday knowing we got to get at least 31 to have a chance today. Yeah, that's Manning back in his indie days. That's tough bad. for anyone to accomplish. Yep. You know, I mean, think about how close they were to not winning a game 
where he had seven uh, touchdowns. Where he had seven touchdown right. passes. You know? Right. And again, Breeze, despite it all, gets them in, per- in position for the winning field goal. Uh, but it's another thing they've had trouble with all year, snaps and holds and kicks. And I didn't see it. Was it in, in overtime or t- at the end of regulation? End of regulation. End of regulation. Yeah, yeah, and it was – think partially blocked but only because it was a bad snap and they couldn't get uh, it down and it was it was a never had a chancer but i know we've talked about this but why keep rob ryan on is it that no hard reason. to implement a new scheme there's in the no reason to keep him on. no he should be fired yeah i mean just shake him up a little bit something right I mean, like i said i think he was kept because peyton was a little self-conscious about how many he had switched well, right, yeah, but I mean, at this point this year, they're going to go thirty-two, two years in a row. Yeah, out of thirty-two, on D, not good. All right, number two, this is an interesting thing. The NCAA is investigating possible violations. Uh, by Leonard Fournette's family. You know the kid? No. Running back, LSU? No. You haven't seen a highlight of the LSU running back this year? No, I guess not. Maybe, maybe is, I have. This is the man Don must be in a under a rock portion of the program. <laughs> uh, LSU is a running back who gets the ball and runs it from goal line to goal line almost every time he okay. touches it. Um, and he is a sophomore so no matter what he's got another year there and there's already been talk of will he be the next guy to maybe try to challenge that rule or and we even talked about it on this show uh would he be the guy who just doesn't play next year right doesn't challenge the rule but doesn't play football instead just works out sort of like all the guys do after their seasons before the combine. Did he have like two 60-yard TD runs to start the game last weekend? Uh, not last weekend because they got beat up by Alabama pretty bad. Oh, okay. Um, but he's been just uh, having a phenomenal year. Um, and um, here's what we got. This is from Yahoo. Uh, less than a week after reports stated that the family – of the running back had possibly committed NCA violations. A lawyer for the school is reportedly looking into the possibility. Uh, the lawyer representing LSU has begun interviewing people involved in a website that was built to sell merchandise uh, with Booga Nation. Uh, that's uh, Leonard's catchphrase. Okay. Um, Barton, who's the attorney, works for the law firm in Baton Rouge and specializes in uh, matters involving NCA rules declined to comment. Uh, USA Today reported Thursday that the family might have committed NCA violations with the online business. Uh, the site was up to sell this clothing. Um, the statement actually had its popularity built uh, while Fournette was in high school. Mm. Um, the website was functional for less than 24 hours before it was shut down uh, prior to LSU's first game in 2014. Um, the family has said that his image was not on the site in any way. 
and they've been on contact with the compliance office uh, before the site went dark. A spokesman for LSU declined to comment. Um, and, oh, he was also in the news because he wanted to benefit uh, to raffle a jersey for charity. The NCAA said no. Of course they did. Uh, people bitched, and he was able to raise $100,000 uh, for his jersey. Look at this guy is super interesting because he's he's a freak. He's a Adrian Peterson type of athlete, um, a Todd Gurley type of athlete. Sure. And he doesn't need LSU anymore. Right. Um, and it's a sport, and he plays it at a position where it's very finite. Yep. And every time he touches the ball, you take one carry off of the career expectancy. Um, and I just wonder uh, what's going to happen with him. The NCAA is ridiculous. <clears throat> I understand this is a thing. Didn't Johnny Foot? Weren't there Johnny Football jerseys for sale, or not jerseys, but like T-shirts and stuff like that? While he was in college, well, like, why should Gurley, everyone else? Gurley and Manziel both got in trouble for trying to sell autographs. I think. Okay. Of course, the NCAA sells LSU jerseys with number seven. Well, right. Doesn't have his name on the back, but we all know whose jersey they're buying. You can walk into a supermarket here. Wegmans is a Super popular supermarket for anyone that's anywhere near this area, like or the Northeast. It has a pretty large uh, national. Yeah, people love Wegmans. You can walk into a Wegmans right now, and you can buy stuff in the Bills, co- like T-shirts in the Bills colors that don't specifically say Buffalo Bills, but they say like whatever cute little catchphrases or every Facebook post. If you're a fan of the Bills. You're going to see ads for T-shirts that are not sold by the Bills, and they don't technically say Buffalo Bills, but they say, like, Buffalo, and then they're in the Bills colors, and they might have, like, a a logo that's, like, a play. I can't think of the one off the top of my head, but um, the Bills are not making a dime off those, and there's nothing they can do about them. Why should somebody else be able to make money off this kid? Like, if I made a website that said Booga Nation, I could sell those T-shirts. Like, why is it such a big deal that this kid's family – I thought you were going to tell me that someone – gave his parents a car or something like that like or the house like in reggie bush's right it's ridiculous he's played nine games this year uh he's had 197 carries for 1394 yards but averaging 154 yards a game 7.1 yards a carry wow and he has 16 touchdowns now derrick henry uh the running back for alabama who faced off uh against him last week uh, 218 attempts for 1,254 yards. Wow. 139 a game, 5.8 a carry, and 17 TDs. Alabama always has good running backs, it seems like. There are some nice, nice running backs um, in the SEC. And then, of course, there's Ezekiel Elliott at OSU. So, so what happens? Dynasty Fantasy Leagues. There the you running go. backs yeah. are coming. What happens if he's found guilty of this? Well, I guess First he, of all, how do they link it they to him? They can punish him. They can punish him for something his parents they did? They could deem him ineligible for games played. I mean, it sounds like this website was open for one day. It's so ridiculous. The NCAA is so stupid. So we love on this uh, podcast to point out the hideousness of the NCAA. 
Uh, so I thought I'd bring that up today. I know there's people out there that would love to argue that, like, what does this kid get out of it? And there's real quick to say he gets a free education. But, like, for some of those kids, I mean, they're not going to go on to stardom and stuff like that. And the school is still going to make millions and millions and millions of dollars off of them. So to argue that anyone's education there is free, I mean, it, the school's not exactly doing charity work. The kids out there that don't take advantage of that, they're making a huge mistake. Well, though. sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, geez, all the student loan debt that there is well, out right, there. Yeah. I mean, that's on the kid. The kid's got to – it's not easy. I agree with that too. But many do it. Uh, last thing. Monday was the annual Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Is that music still going? No, just checking. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had to turn that down because of the stupid video on NFL.com. <laughs> yeah. uh, Sergei Fedorov. Phil Housley, Nicholas Lidstrom, uh, Chris Pronger, and uh, Angelou, Angela Ruggiero, uh were named uh, to the class of 2015 Hockey Hall of Fame. And um, they'd need to find a goalie somewhere, but that would be a nice uh, little line. Yeah, no kidding. You know, uh, a lot of defense, heavy on defense. Uh, but certainly Phil Housley could jump on a wing. Sure. Uh, maybe we could get Angela to play a little wing too. Um, but uh, Nicholas Lidstrom is arguably the best defenseman of all time. Uh, Chris Pronger is arguably the most yeah, I mean, destructive. He's definitely the best defenseman of maybe the modern hockey era. I mean, I don't know how. Uh, Nick Lidstrom's on a very short list. Yeah. I mean, he's like on a list with guys Bobby named Orr. Bobby Orr. You know, and not many people. Yeah, that might be it. Are on that list. Um, certainly a great, great player. Uh, Phil Housley, one of the all-time great Offensive. United States boy. Sure, yeah. Uh, I was surprised how close. I didn't know he was the second all-time in scoring behind Madonna, one of the best scorers in the league ever. Yeah, Madonna, who won it in two thousand fourteen, uh, and of course Fedorov. Um, great two-way player. Great two-way player and a uh, teammate of Burray um, back in Russia. Russia right, yeah. Um, so, now, 2016 team. Let's look ahead for a second because this is fun. Okay. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's any automatic first ballot guys like Chris Pronger and Nicholas Lindstrom. How long do you have to be out? Uh, it's five, five years. Five years. Um, the best name, um, first year name is Kovalev, who's probably not a Hall of Famer. No, I wouldn't say based on opinion. I'm not sure what is. Just probably not a Hall. Probably of not. I mean, that, maybe his numbers bear it, but I guess. I so what that means is, other guys can. It, it's, a, it's an open year, and other guys, guys can out. get in. Right, yeah. uh, Eric Lindros, Dave Andrzejczyk. Uh, Sergey Zubov. Eric Lindros has been picked over. Yeah, not in. Wow. I mean, I never liked the guy, but for a shorter period of time, he was one of the most dominant players in the league. I mean, that's the only thing against him, probably right, his length of his career. Yeah, but I mean, you, you're gonna they Brian Trottier's in. I mean, you're gonna not yeah let, Bobby Orr's in. I mean, you're not gonna let people shortest... in because they had injuries, right? Uh, Paul Correa, uh, Pat Verbeek. Uh, Alexander McGillney, Theo Fleury. And this is the Hockey Hall of Fame, too. I think McGillney's got to be in. 
This is the Hockey Hall of Fame. It includes all, not just NHL play. Right, right. Uh, international play. So, uh, let's just do a yay or a nay, Dan. Lindros. I think yes. Andrew Chuck. Boy, his numbers sure say yes. Uh, I was a fan of the team, too, but I don't know. Was he, ever, was he a special player? He was really good at doing what he did. He was really he was good. He's one of the best left wing goal scorers of all time too. He's the one he's like the special one, on the power play. He's the only guy that can maybe maybe one of the only guys that can claim a stat over Gretzky, right? I think he had more power play goals than Gretzky. He did. changed average power plays into great ones if you put him on your team. So maybe. I mean if if I'm a guy that wants Tasker in the Hall of Fame or something like that, then I guess yes, I'll say yes to Andrew Chuck. Sergey Zubov? No. A lot of people say he's the most underrated hockey player of his era. Really? Yeah. I'd listen, to, um, I'd listen to the argument. Mark Rackey? I never liked him either. Yeah, he's a but... no for me. Uh, Pierre Turgeon? I don't know. He's close, too. Maybe a good, not great. Uh, Jeremy Roenick? Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Theo Fury? No. Not quite. Mogilny? I think yes. If I think you, yes, If too. you tack on international play and... Korea? I think so. Yeah, so it'll be fun uh, next year. You agree on Korea? I think Korea should be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lindro said, it is what it is. If I ever get the call, I'd be very honored, no question. I mean, what's a Hall of Famer to you? Do you, do you compare him to other Hall of Famers when you're doing it, or do you think in your own mind? Because Korea was probably a top 10 forward his entire career. So I think to me, it, that means, yeah. I think it's always case by case. Yeah. You know, what? I think I always try to look at the player just as the player. Yeah. And then kind of go from there. Um, per- perhaps the better argument for Lindros is that Neely and Bure are in the hall despite their injury-limited careers. Okay. Um, and Lindros uh, actually has more points than both of those guys. Yeah, he was dominant. Now, but... Neely was very, very injury-limited. Yeah. 694 points. We know how limited Burray was, 779 points. Lindros, 865. I got to think what's kept him out. He's a jerk. Is he wa- <laughs> at least was a jerk. And, yeah, yeah. You know, wouldn't suit Salt I mean, Marie where Gretzky played in the OHL wasn't good enough for him. Right. Wouldn't go to Quebec. Right, yeah. I mean, I But he deserves it. He deserves to be. That in. to me, Kovalev was never a jerk, but he's the type of player that just his effort was always questioned. So even if his numbers bared out a Hall of Famer, I think he'd struggle to make it in. Yeah. And they do debate this in June. You asked that before. Okay. And it's important for these guys to get in next year because in 2017, just tell me if you think one or all four of these guys might get in. Team Mussolini? Absolutely. Daniel Alfredson? Yes. Martin Brodeur? Absolutely. <laughs> and Sergei Gonchar. Yeah, I yeah, you think so for <laughs> Probably, sure? Yeah. yeah. Uh certainly will be a long uh consideration. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's, it, next year's a really uh interesting year uh for the guys that are sticking around. Yeah, they're those you know, haven't gotten wide receivers yet. in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. Uh so I thought it'd be a fun thing to talk about. All right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a break. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the NFL with someone. Uh, it's about midway or a little bit further than midway of the NFL season. 
and uh, it's kind of time to take an inventory. Sure. And uh, well, I'll ask the classic sportscaster's question of the person. Uh, what will you be interested in tracking right. uh, these last few weeks? I always want to know that. Uh, then we'll do the book club. We'll talk to our good friend Ed Sherman, and then we'll close this off with one last thing. All right, our next guest uh, lives in Atlanta where he spent most of the day uh, helping them trade their shortstop. Uh, he's also the author of the book Hell to the Redskins, uh, Gibbs, the Diesel, the Hogs, and the Glory Days of DC's Football Dynasty. And uh, he's nice enough to join us tonight. A warm sportscasters, welcome to Adam Lazarus. What's going on, Adam? Not much. Thanks for having me. Always good to be on. So how are things going with the uh, Redskins book? Last time we had you on, it was just about to drop in August. How was uh, – did you have fun promoting it and talking about yeah, it? Yeah, doing Redskin well. Fans um, like it? out in D.C. doing some uh, radio and the signing and uh, had a little uh, gathering with a few old players and did a Q&A with them and, and some fans. And it was at a bookstore, and it was a good time. And then I'm going back to uh, the university club, if any of your uh, listeners are – D.C. residents. I'm, I'm going to be at the University Club in early December for their annual book fair. Um, should be a nice crowd, and I'll be signing books and talking about the book. So um, I look forward to that and enjoy meeting all the fan Redskins fans. Um, you know, miss miss some of the uh, playoffs and Super Bowls that they don't haven't had much of in the last few years. Yeah, I was going to ask, has the fan base that you've met kind of appreciated the fact that they got to sit and read this book pretty much cover to cover and not have to worry about the name or, you know, some of the things that have plagued the franchise the last few years and kind of focus on uh, the glory days, so to speak, of the franchise. They Yeah, I think everybody likes to go back and, and relive the glory days. And, um, it's you know, it's hard. It's hard for fans because, you know, any, any team that's not like a brand-new franchise, an expansion team like the Texans or something, has, you know, the fan base carries the history, but they also carry, you know, the week by week, they, you know, what, who they're playing this week. So they, it's kind of an interesting balance. Because, um, you know, the book was doing, you know, it was getting a lot of attention, and then uh, there was a, 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 my marketing and PR people were sort of telling me that uh, people were going crazy. There was that point where the, where the Redskins, I think, um, they had beaten, I don't know if they had beaten someone, but then they, then they came back and beat the Buccaneers, and everybody was all gaga over them, and Kirk Cousins was playing really well. So, like, that was what they wanted to talk about um, for, like, that week. Uh, but, you know, they, when they sort of crashed back down to earth lately, um, people were a little more interested in, in the glory days. So, you know, it's just the way it is during the NFL season. Um, you know, it's a... People want to hear about the the past when they're really not doing that well, but when their teams you know from the playoff hunt or whatever, that's what they want to talk about. So it's kind of a you know back and forth. It's going to be a great Christmas gift for people to buy for their dad, I think, too, around Christmas in DC. Yeah, I mean, that's usually uh, you know when the sales start to pick up. Uh, you know, people want to uh, give those out as Christmas gifts and yeah, stuff. And some of the old some of the people I actually interviewed, some of the the main figures in the book, asked for some extra copies from me for. Uh, so they could give them out as Christmas gifts. So, um, yeah, that's usually... It always makes a 
great stocking stuffer, if you want to put it that way. Good. We're glad to hear it. How to the Redskins, uh, Gibbs, uh, the Diesel, the Hogs, the Gordies, the DC f- Football Dynasty. If you go down on the main page to August, the end of August, uh, Adam and I talk about it for like an hour. And I think it's do you still have it on your website too? Yeah, yeah, it's up there. Yeah, you can find it on adamlazarus.com as well. Uh, but Adam was nice enough to join us today because I wanted to talk to someone um, about the first half of the season since we're kind of at that point. Uh, obviously, the the top teams in the league are 8-0, um, and some teams have played nine games, uh, but at least everyone has played eight now. Um, so we're at the midway point, and the Bills and the Jets are about to play in their Power Ranger outfits in a few minutes. I don't know uh, what to say about that. that uh, that's oh, as taking taking the marketing, the NFL taking the marketing to a new, to a whole new level there with a, a what is it? It's a fourth uniform, technically, if you think about it, because it's not a throwback and it's not a home and away. So yeah, I don't know what to say about that. Yeah, it's definitely a fourth one that the Bills will wear this year. because they have a a white one, a white kind of older one that they wear, and then they have the home and away ones too. So they'll have four different jerseys this year. It's crazy. And not just, like, c- color combinations, but, like, distinctively different yeah, 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 jerseys. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I kind of actually like the old Bills uniforms better. I know they, they have these uniforms are kind of, like, uh, throw supposed to be sort of throwbacks to the 60s, I guess, the ones they are regular uniforms. But I, yeah. I don't know. I kind of like the 90s Bills uniforms better. I'm not a fan of any of them. I try, you know, I try so hard. It's it's hard for me. I I really do. I don't like to root against. I don't like to root against other people's team. Um, and I want, especially since the Saints won in two thousand and nine, and then my brother's team winning in two thousand and thirteen, and you get to feel what it's like to win uh, at that level. Like I had never done that before, and you want people you care about to experience that. But I've had such just a long hard history with the Bills, it's difficult for me. Because, I mean, I mean, I really, I mean, deep down, I, I hate the Bills. Uh, I can understand that. When you, you know live what in I mean? a city but, and you're not, yeah. the, you're, you're not as fan of that team. Like, I mean, I live here in Atlanta, and I'm not a Falcons You know, it's really not the Falcons. It's actually... Like, uh, no one's a fan of them, the, but, yeah. The real pro football team here is Georgia. Right. Um, <laughs> but, like, even then, it's like, yeah, I'm not real that, you know, you get kind of oversaturated with the co- coverage and the you know people get all excited and all geeked up about certain things and if you're not if you're sort of just like in the background watching after a while it gets kind of old um, but that's you know it's uh, like you know I'm sort of the same way I have friends down here who are Georgia fans Falcons fans and, and I don't really want to you know not rooting for either of them but you know they should it's nice to see them happy so I get you on that right now the Patriots are eight no and it kind of feels in a way like. It's a repeat of a season we had a few years ago where essentially there was the Patriots and everyone else. Do you view it that way? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, every year I always, the team that jumps out and has like, you know, everybody thinks is the clear-cut favorite, I always think to myself, um, let's wait till December and January because things always change then. Um, and especially in the last, whatever it's been about, technically at least about the last 10 years, uh, you know, the, the six seed, the wild cards have, have always done well, and they've had so many, you know, a handful of them have been Super Bowl winners. So I'm always like, and eh, the playoffs, you know, yes, there's a favorite, but anybody can win it. This year is just 
It's just totally different. I don't. I don't see anything. Anything short of injuries, I don't think is gonna is gonna slow down the Patriots. And I, I, I don't know what that says about the league. I don't know what that says about the slate gate and everything. But um, it could make for a pretty interesting post game handshake in, in Super Bowl Fifty between the right. commissioner and the and, and the organization. But you're right. Yeah, I do think it is. And barring some kind of real surprise turnaround. I don't. I think it is the Patriots and everybody else. And you know, it's so weird to say that, especially when a team in the con- like technically they're tied for first in their conference with the Bengals, who've matched them, you know, week for week, eight and zero, same record, seven and zero in the conference. So a great conference record. Uh, you know, almost all of them being conference wins, which is huge. They could very easily be uh, the number one seed. But do you do you even for a second consider them a serious? Contender versus the Patriots. No, I, I, I think. Um, I mean, everything could change, and sometimes those teams click. You know, there was a period where where Peyton Manning couldn't get over the hump and win even you know a single playoff game. Um, but I just, you know, the, the Bengals have done so have been such a disappointment in the playoffs every year for the last five years. Um, and it's not even like they've had playoff heartbreak. They barely—it's like I feel like they haven't even shown up for their first-round playoff game. It's not like they—they they lost some classic in, in overtime or something like that. I just got—I just get the sense it's like they get to the playoffs and they're content with that. Not that that's the case, but that's just how it feels. So yes, Cincinnati's got the eight-no record, and you know Denver seven and one, which is basically you know essentially just as good right. for right now. Um, I just—I just don't see. I don't see them on the same uh, on the same level as New England, only because of what New England can can do to a team and has been doing to a team almost every week. You know, we've seen Tom Brady play some of the best football of his career this year. You know, people joke around that he's in FU mode. Uh, you know, and then on the other hand, we've seen uh, Manning uh, struggle a little bit, and the way he's played has been scrutinized. Uh, still seems like he makes the throws when he needs to, but if you've watched Peyton Manning's whole career, like most of us have, you you can see the difference. As someone who's played the game, what do you think it is about Peyton Manning's game uh, that just doesn't look right? And do you think it's something that's going to get worse as it gets colder and he gets more beat up and the season gets longer and more drawn out? Well, I definitely think that uh, it's, it's not going to get better. I, I mean, you're right. He, it's not, he hasn't been awful. No. He just hasn't been Peyton Manning. So the, the drop-off from Peyton Manning 2000, even 2013, to what he's doing now, it just looks like he's terrible, only because you know, he's not anywhere near the same player he was. He's certainly, I mean, he's a capable quarterback, and that's enough to, for Denver because they have so many other pieces. Um, but, you know, that's the thing about Manning. It's like his arm has never been his strength. They've already talked about uh, him having some hand issues and, you know, the zip and his, his grip and everything like that because of the neck injury. That's only gotten worse. And you're right, it's only going to get worse in the cold weather, especially even in Denver, too. You know, right. if they have a home playoff game or if they have a playoff game in New England or Cincinnati, that's going to be the case. It's the same case. Um, but I, I just think that's the real thing. Is just, you know, people expect Peyton Manning to go out there and throw six touchdown passes a because that's what he used to do, and now he's not doing that. Um, so it looks worse than it really is. 
you know, I hate that game manager business, but I think it's probably it's apt for Manning because the way he you know he basically calls the plays at the line of scrimmage. So he's always little, managing the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, he's been a game manager and right. a great player at the same Every time. Year. Now he's just he's just kind of a game manager. Um, but you know, I, I was joking with a friend of mine. The funny thing is about about Peyton Manning is he is the regular season king. He is the champion of the regular season. You, in the history of the NFL, there's not a better regular season quarterback than Peyton Manning. And his legacy is that he's you know tanked in the playoffs. He, he's either not played well or just his teams haven't won. And that's how quarterbacks are measured. I think it would be kind of ironic and certainly within the realm of possibility if it was if it completely flipped this year. If he just had a you know an average or even poor regular season, and he somehow caught fire in the playoffs and that team won games. Um, you know, a little bit like the way Elway did, in, especially in the second Super Bowl. Um, I, I would think that would be pretty ironic and an interesting way for his career to probably end would be as if he flipped it, because he could totally, in a way, rewrite his legacy the way Elway did. You know, if, if, if the Broncos were somehow able to win a Super Bowl this year um, and he played a significant playoff role, then, you know, he would walk off into the sunset with another Super Bowl win, just like Elway did. It would be really an interesting story, uh, especially since Elway put the team together. Um, but, I, you know, that if, he, if he's saving it for the playoffs in some way, uh, that would be pretty remarkable. Um, but, and I do think that's possible. There's so many pieces around him uh, that I think this team is built differently. It's not Peyton Manning's Broncos. It's a, you know, 22-man kind of thing. So that, that's sort of a different approach for him, and, um, it'll be interesting to see if it, it yields different results. A couple quick things I want to touch on in the AFC. I mean, it's a vicious game, obviously, and no no team has felt um, felt it maybe as much as the Steelers have so far. Losing Roethlisberger, having Roethlisberger come back, losing him again for maybe not as mu- not certainly not as much as I'm sure you thought when that play happened initially, um, as most of us thought it looked horrible. Um, and for him to I, say, the first one, I thought it was a torn Achilles. The first one, the one against the, the Rams, I, I saw that and I thought torn Achilles is done for the year. Um, so in a way, they got off kind of light on that. Um, but yeah, he may. I think he's definitely going to be back after the bye um, in two weeks. Right? So yeah, because he already wants to play. It's probably not yeah, going to happen. Landry Jones is going to play, but yeah, so he should be back. Obviously, Bell's not coming back. Unfortunately, that was a, a pretty nasty injury. Uh, but man, there's so much offensive talent there. Uh, D'Angelo Williams, they, Tomlin talked him into losing 15 pounds, and he looks like it lost 10 years uh, with the 15 pounds. And he's just been awesome for them in the starting role. And I mean, Brown, Jesus, if he's not the best receiver in the NFL because you think Julio Jones is, that's really your only argument um, right now. If you have one at all, what did you just have 18 catches? Last week, yeah, uh, two hundred and eighty-four yards. <laughs> That's not even a joke. That's like when you ha- when you figure out a play in Madden that they just can't stop, so you run it every time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right, and uh, but I don't know. You think this can, can be a sleeper team? You're a fan, and you know them better can, than anyone. They're five and four. It's not like they're buried. And no, you're right. I mean, they're I mean they're not going to catch the Bengals. It's going to right. Can't win the division. You know, probably a small miracle to catch the Bengals. Although right. they do get them again. You know, so then if if they walk in when they play them, you know, even down a game, they can tie them and um, have a chance. But um, you know, it's it's been interesting because the, the the big thing with the Steelers this off season, I think, more than anything, was 
Dick LeBeau leaving and then spring, you know, a new defensive coordinator, not really a new defensive coordinator because Keith Butler had been there for so long. He'd been there since the Coward days. Um, but promoting him, I think when, when I saw that move when they, when they basically let LeBeau go, fired him, whatever you want to call it, um, I think it was the right move. You know, he, he, he's nothing against LeBeau. He, he's a great defensive coordinator and, and, you know, real innovator. But I think, you know, he had been at that position a long time. I think the, the Steelers' defense had come, become a little bit predictable in a way, especially, when, you know, when they were blitzing, how they were blitzing. I feel like any time they were blitzing, you know, on the, one of the games, someone would show how their those cross blitzes up the middle they always run. It's like, oh, this is that, that innovative Steelers cross-middle blitz, cross blitz. And I always thought... They've been doing this for 12 years, if not longer. Um, you know, offensive coordinators have probably caught up to it with, with situations they use it, and when, you know, which side of the field and which, you know, which guys they're trying to attack. And I, so I kind of thought, you know, I, it, it was going to do them good to have a, a new mind making all the calls on the defensive side of the ball. And I think it has worked. There's a lot of youth, and there's not that much um, experience. You know, they don't have Paul Amalu. Uh, they don't have that great middle linebacker like they used to have. Uh, James Ferrier, and they didn't have the, the nose tackle like a Casey Hampton, one of those guys. But I think all the athletic young players they have in the front seven, especially Bud Dupree, who's been, I thought, I think really impressive, is giving them kind of a new look. It's not the same Steelers defense that we've seen the last 10 years, which I think is a good thing for them. So, you know, between a healthy Roethlisberger and an offense that is certainly capable of putting up points, um, I think they can make some noise. It's just going to be hard for them to you know, play, they're going to have to go probably, when they're 5-4, and four, they're probably going to have to go 5-2 and two to close out or something like that to get to at least 10 wins. Um, you might not need it, though. I hard. mean, technically, I mean, the only other team in the AFC that's not leading their division with five wins is the Jets. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the Jets and the Raiders are another possible team. Right, 4-4. Four and four. To, uh, make some noise. Bills are 4-4. Four and four. You know, the, the interesting thing is that Really, if you can finish first, be the first wild card team, what an advantage to go play the AFC South winner. Yeah, that's true. You're and, definitely right. Whatever yeah, if you're, and team comes out of the South. And if you're the second one, you're either playing New England, Cincinnati, or Denver, whoever doesn't get the bye. Yeah, you're so, probably playing Denver would be my guess. Probably Denver, yeah. Uh, I mean, you're I, right. No, yeah. the, the choice to go to Indianapolis or Houston or even Jacksonville, which would be remarkable. Um, instead of going to Denver in January, would be enormous. You're right. Um, that is going to make a big difference. But you know, you know, I was saying earlier about how any team getting hot can make such a substantial difference. Um, that may not work for the first seed, but I think it is going to work for the the five and six seeds. Um, that some, I think there probably is a team right there now that no one's talking about that is going to make some noise for the for a wild card since it seems like. If you forget about the South, then it seems like the the other three divisions are locked up. You live in a obviously you mentioned living in Atlanta, an NFC South team, and Atlanta started hot and they've really sort of trailed off a little bit. Still six and three, they're not by any means the Ravens or the Browns or something. Uh, but the Panthers are eight zero, and I've watched the Panthers a few times now. They're on Monday Night Football. I watched that game. Uh, they played the Saints who didn't have Breeze, I watched that game, and I just I just keep shaking my head like, they're 8-0? Like, really? This team is 8-0? I, I, don't, I don't get it. Like, when you're on offense, 
it's like, yeah, those two guys that just feel like they're everywhere. It feels sometimes it does feel like their defense plays with twelve guys. They have, they have a great defense, but they have no weapons on the outside. I mean, Cam Newton's doing a great job. Um, any smart team, it seems like you just cover the cover the tight end, and even if Ted Ginn is behind you for an eighty-yard walk-off TD, he's not going to catch it anyway. Uh, and I just don't understand. It just feels like the worst eight-no team of all time. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's um, I, I I don't you know what you you may be right that they, they are the worst eight-no team of all of all time, but um, I, I don't think it really matters. And the NFC is is wide open, um, especially since the Packers have been I yeah think, vulnerable, pretty average recently, last yeah. two or three weeks. Um, you're you're right. You know, Carolina's defense is carrying them. But Cam Newton, I think it's absurd that people are talking about Cam as MVP because especially since even if the class of MVPs this year wasn't so impressive, I, I don't think he's been as quite as stellar as everybody thinks. But he does have his teammate know, which is you know certainly saying something. But he, he makes plays, I mean, in, in the passing game, and he's such a threat to run the ball. Uh, that, that, you know, sometimes that's all you need is a great defense and an offense that can get you as you know, get you the points you need when you need them. So I, I wouldn't rule the Panthers out as certainly um, a favorite, one of the two or three favorites coming to come out of the NFC. Uh, like for a neat Super Bowl if they came went and played New England again. Um, but you know, that's just that's you know everybody's trying to get to, to the same place, and they, everybody has different. They all have different approaches, and I, I think the Panthers' approach is working. Um, that because, like you said, you know, a, a, a great defense travels with you wherever you go. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, that that's that's why you have to consider them probably the favorite in the NFC right now. And their quarterback is—I mean—he's the greatest front runner of all time. I mean, when yeah. they're winning and when they're going well, and he's smiling, yeah, and ripping his jersey open, he looks like—I mean—he'd be the first pick in any draft ever. Soon as it starts to go the other way, I've never seen anyone with wor- worse body language and uh, poor attitude. And but yeah, when they're going, well, man, I don't have a they're going. You sound like a Saints fan there. Yeah, uh, I guess. You sound but... like a guy who has to play them twice a year every year. Um, I I don't I don't think Cam is. You know, there's a lot of quarterbacks out there who, because they're where they were drafted, um, because of the hype around them, you know, everybody expects them to be. A Peyton Manning or an Aaron Rodgers, and that you don't have to be—you don't have to throw 45 touchdowns and for 5,000 yards to be a successful quarterback and to lead your team to the Super Bowl. Um, so while I don't think Cam is a great quarterback, I think he has the tools to play well. You know, he—I ha- think he has the ability to score points and and take his team, you know, to the to get a, half, a field goal before halftime if they have to just as well as anybody else in the NFL. And that's, you know, that's kind of his goal. He, he is sort of a, I, don't, I hate that game manager, you know, nonsense. But I think that's what he's there for, and that's a victory in itself. If, if that's your job, then he's, you know, he's achieving his job. I think when he came into the league, especially I think his, didn't he throw over 400 yards his first two games as a rookie? Um, so I think people have been looking for him to be that fantasy football superstar which isn't what they're asking him to do, and I think that's one of the reasons why they're eight no is because they're not asking him to do that. So um, you know, there's kind of you know, would you rather win games or would you rather put up stats? And I think Cam would rather win games right now, and that's 
you know, that that's his, what he's content with. Well, Sean Payton always says that Bill Parcells always used to say that you are what your record are, and their record is 8-0 means they're 8-0. Uh, so yeah. let's just call them the best team in the, in the NFC right now. And then there's a lot of teams that sort of feel the same. There's, uh, you know, Atlanta 6-3, and three, Arizona 6-2, and two, uh, Green Bay 6-2 and two, hasn't looked this good. Minnesota 6-2, and two, uh, Adrian having a great year, and uh, Bridgewater looks scary, but maybe he's okay. Uh, then everyone in the NFC East just feels exactly the same, uh, even though. Well, I don't see there. I, I, I well, maybe I don't disagree with that, but um, I do like the Giants. I think you think they're uh, the best. They they have the you know even with see, the defense. Oh seven and was it was four years after oh seven they 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 came they shocked everybody and got back to the Super Bowl. Uh, I think it's just four years after 2011 when they shocked everybody and got back to the Super Bowl. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're the one, they're the team that again gets hot at the right time and you know wins gets a home playoff game because they win a pretty average division um, and then go to wherever they have to go to and make some noise in the playoffs. I just I get that sense from the Giants again. Um, there's a lot you know their defense is obviously a sieve because. How else do you give up seven touchdown passes and 52 points in one week? No, I've never but, seen um, such bad defense in a game. Yeah. I mean, both ways. I mean, it, just defense in general, you, you couldn't imagine it being played as bad as it was that day. Yeah, it was it was awful. I, and it's not like they have a running game, really, right now. Um, but I don't know. I just I, I think that's one of those teams that if you look at everything falling into place, they could be one of those teams that um, – Makes a, makes a little run because I just don't I just don't buy into Philadelphia. Um, I think they have talent. They they have tons of talent on both sides of the ball. But you know, I it's just it's the quarterback play is, is just way too inconsistent, and they're not help. You know that whole Chip Kelly offense about running as quick plays as fast as you can. It hasn't helped their defense a lot of weeks. Um, so I, I'm not, I'm not sold on anything coming out of, of Philadelphia and the, the Cowboys. I think just fell too far behind. Uh, they they could have weathered the storm with Romo and Des Bryant if they had went like two and four or whatever. But they're gonna they're probably gonna be zero and six under Tony Romo or without Tony Romo. So I think uh, they've just fallen too far behind. So uh, do you like that, Seattle that was the way at all? I looked at the East. Do you like Seattle at all as someone who can emerge from four and four? I think they they haven't fallen too far behind. That's definitely yeah, the case. two games out and, in the and, division and right in yeah, with the wild card. They can't protect Russell Wilson at all. You know, this is what we were expecting when you know two years ago when they were saying they're going to have to pay Russell Wilson and it's going to cost him in other areas. It hasn't exactly worked out that way, but it kind of feels like it has um, because their offensive line is, is so bare, um, and it's not like. Uh, you know the Jimmy Graham trade. It's I'm not sure exactly how that played into it, and I don't think I, I don't think Jimmy Graham is a bust. I think it's just taking them too long. It's just taking them extra time to get him integrated into the offense. And I don't think they know what to do with him. Yeah, that that's certainly. I mean, that their goal isn't to. You know, he, Jimmy Graham was the best tight end in football because the 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 Saints wanted to throw the ball to him all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what they want to do in Seattle. They want to run Marshawn Lynch and they want to run the clock out and play good defense. So I think, you know, it's going to take time. But you can't – don't sell his athleticism and his ability to catch the ball short. 
um, because he can still have a big game whenever they choose to throw the ball to him. It's just they haven't, you know, the offense has been so uh, empty because of, they can't protect the quarterback. Um, I think he's Russell Wilson's been hit or sacked or whatever it is more times than anyone else in the league. Um, so it's not that I think they're done. It's just if they don't get those things straightened straightened out, there's there's just no way they're going to be able to compete. They may get it straightened out. Who knows? You never know. Um, when it was an offensive line, when it can gel, at what time of the year, and they do have Marshawn Lynch, and they and they do have um, obviously great defense, but I think they have you know they have a couple decent pass catchers, um, so I think they could put things together. It's just they can't do it with Russell Wilson on his back eight times a game. Is Brady your MVP so far? Yeah, there's no. I mean, there there's no other choice right now. Um, Andy Dalton and all those people were having good years, but no, Brady, I think he, what did he get, 22 touchdowns and two picks? Um, they, he's, he's looked as good as he ever has, which I'm surprised by. Uh, and, and it's not because of deflate gate or because of, um, you know, he's mad or whatever. Uh, that, 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 that's just sort of side talk to me. I just, I'm surprised that he's playing the best football in his, of his career at this stage, which is, what, his 14th year, I think, 15th year. Um, so, yeah, it's it's um, it, it's a runaway. And who do you got for a Super Bowl pick midseason? Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can go with anybody besides the Patriots. Uh, it's just, I think more than anything, it's it's that they've been able to get out to such big leads and then they've protected it. Um, you know, it, that that's... Something their defense isn't a great defense, but it's been good enough, and it, it has. And they have good pass rushers, all, all and they get a high so, Yeah, I don't know. And from the NFC, you know, I guess, I guess I will, I will play a little devil's advocate. I will, I will go with the Giants um, because um, I do think that they're they're the kind of team that's going to get hot. Um, I know there's a lot of the, the Cardinals are having a good year. Um, and the Packers have Aaron Rodgers, who I still think is the best quarterback in football. Um, but uh, I don't know. It, it, it's troubling to me how how quickly the Packers have fallen behind the last two weeks. And I don't, you know, I know their defense has had some big games here and there, but I just don't think they have nearly what it takes to win three playoff games, or maybe maybe just two playoff games, but three playoff games to get to the Super Bowl, um, even with Aaron Rodgers, even with a healthy Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so that that's why I can't buy into Packers. Maybe three or four weeks ago, I would have said something differently, but not not the way they played the last two weeks. Well, listen, hell to the Redskins, Gibbs, the Diesel, the Hogs, and the glory days of DC's football dynasty is available where books are sold, and it would make a great Christmas gift for your dad or your grandfather, your, your younger brother. They go nuts for this on Christmas morning. A lot better than that tie. Uh, you can find Adam's website, adamlazarus.com. Uh, he's on Twitter at L-A-Z-A-R-U-S-A-57. Um, and uh, anything else you want to plug? Mm, no. I would, it's alLazarus.com. Oh, uh, but, oh yeah. yeah. Don't, don't go to Adam. No, that's all right. Uh, Some jerk but, uh, stole yeah, that no, one. No, I would say uh, uh, check, out, check out the Twitter for uh, updates on the book. I had uh, the post game which is Yahoo's uh, sort of mag- online magazine, did something on the book recently on Hello Redskins. So you'll, uh, you'll see a link there on Twitter or on my website. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would say if, uh, if, you have, if you know a Redskins fan, that's a good book to go out and get. And um, 
if you contact if you if you see me on Twitter and and you contact me, I may may send you a, a book plate signed that you can put in the book for for Christmas or whatever. So uh, check me out on Twitter too. Thanks, Adam. All right, thanks for having me. Talk to you soon, bud. All right, I want to thank our football guests for joining us today. <laughs> in a second, we're going to bring Ed Sherman in. And um, not too long ago, Ed Sherman was promoting a book on this podcast, uh, a Babe Ruth book. And it's out on paperback. And I wanted to definitely make sure that we brought Ed in uh, to talk about uh, to talk about the paperback. It's called Babe Ruth's. Uh, called Shot, The Myth and Mystery of Baseball's Greatest Home Run. And Ed's going to join us in a minute to talk about um, the book and its release in paperback. Uh, also on the radar of the book club this month is our friend the Puck Daddy and his book, uh, Take Your Eye Off the Puck, How to Watch Hockey by Knowing Where to Look. Um, I've been looking through it, and it's it's kind of a book that um, if you could get your wife to read it, she'd be the smartest wife on the block when it came to hockey. Mm-hmm. And I think the more you read it, you realize how much more there is to know about the game that you didn't know already. Right. You know, so no matter where you are, it's, I want to sort of say it's like hockey for dummies. Yeah, I was going to. But with <clears throat> Greg's tone and fun and. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit off the air last week. I think if you've played hockey, a lot of the stuff is going to seem, uh, I don't know if rudimentary is the right word too, but I've never played hockey and I've watched a lot of hockey, but I still don't quite know like the intricacies of the left wing lock. I know it's a form of kind of like the trap, but I don't know exactly about it. So if you, maybe you think you know a lot about it. And like you said, there might be some stuff that you can still learn from it. I'm not sure if, Anthony's going to learn anything from this, your brother that played college hockey for four years. But uh, I'd be interested to check it out. Yeah, there's a lot in there, and there's some good debate stuff. Um, and it's got Wyshynski's wit and style to it. Yeah. It's very clearly written by him. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, if you've read him, you don't – doesn't take more than a page to realize he's the guy writing this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course – uh, one last time, I guess, we'll throw out uh, the 2015 Best American Sports Writing Anthology, edited by Wright Thompson. We had Tim Graham last on week, last yeah. week. Uh, so as far as I'm concerned, uh, we've kind of fulfilled our obligation. Sure. By the way, they didn't even send us the book. They, um, they didn't this year. No, so it's not like they always have. we owe them anything. Okay. <laughs> uh, but we believe in the book and love it so much that... I wanted to still feature it and do something. Um, and I'm trying to get right, but I, I just doubt it. Yeah. Uh, the girl from ESPN PR, she wrote back to me um, and she asked for any details I could give her about what the interview would be. Really? They vetted the interview. And all kinds of stuff like that. And I gave her, every, I threw everything I had at her. And that was probably a week ago. Wow. And I haven't heard back. And I said, is there an update? And I haven't heard back. Who's the other guy we have at ESPN? It used to be a guy, right? Our football connection is is uh, 
Bill Hoffheimer. Okay, but we had a PR. That's the PR guy. Yeah, I would just try to talk to him. You know, like they we've done so many interviews with. Well, I cc'd him on all the. Oh, okay, okay. And that's probably why she got back to me at all. I gotcha. You know, the interesting thing actually is initially she said she wasn't getting back to me because he was finishing an ESPN, uh, ma- the magazine story on uh, Dallas running back. Oh, okay, earlier. okay. Um, but I, I don't know. It's weird. Weird. I don't know if I've ever heard this guy's voice. I, I say this all the time. I, I I never want to sound like I think we're some big league monster thing that who are they to snub us. Like It's always weird the people that we don't get when the people we do get are gracious enough to come on. It, it, that always strikes me as odd, like what makes someone say no. It's weird to, to me too. I know that Glenn Stout says that in his the series editor yeah. thinks that he asked so much of the – guest editors that he never asked them to do media oh i got you okay but in my opinion is like if i was the guest editor of this book you wouldn't want to talk to a few people well at this point about it right at this point your work is done you wouldn't want to talk to one or two people and be like i'm really proud of this and i picked a great book and i wonder how many people i wonder how many people that are a little bit further away from the industry even realize that the greatest american sports like did you realize it existed before we started getting guests on? Because yeah. I mean, like, my point is, if I were that only guy, only from going to the bookstore. Well, right. I'd want it to be the biggest selling, greatest American sports almanac or what is it? Journal uh, anthology. Anthology of. I want it to be the biggest one of all time. So I'd love to do press, if, especially like you said, all the work you put into it. Why? Why wouldn't you want to? I'm trying. We'll see. Real quick, yeah. it sounded like I was backpedaling. Maybe on your behalf about calling Wyshynski's book maybe uh, Hockey for Dummies. And I don't mean to do that. I'd be curious to hear what his take on it is. Maybe that's who he wrote it for. Maybe that's that was his idea going into it. Like, if you've never watched a game of hockey before. Well, I was referencing the series. Well, no, I know that. Dummies. Right, yeah. right, yeah. right. But uh, I'd be curious if his take would be like, no, I wanted to write something that you could give to a person that's never watched a game and they would get it. And that, I mean, that's kind of what those four dummies series right are yeah well we'll definitely be able to talk to him yeah about for it. sure we know yeah. for sure so he'll be here uh soon but for right now ed sherman is in the lobby waiting uh <laughs> so let's get him in here All right, our next guest is from Chicago, Illinois, and is a graduate of the University of Illinois. <laughs> he spent 27 years at the Chicago Tribune. He's covered the 85 Bears. He's worked on the White Sox beat. He's covered sports media. And he wrote a great book about Babe Ruth and his called shot that's now available on paperback. So we had to bring him back to make sure you guys knew it was on paperback. And he's making his seventh appearance on the podcast today. A warm sportscaster's welcome to Ed Sherman. How are you doing tonight, Ed? Yeah, everything's good. Thanks for having me. Oh, where to start? Let's start with the book. So the book's on paperback. So sometimes these books come out on paperback and it's just a paperback version of the book. Sometimes you update stuff. Sometimes there's new chapters. What is it this time? Well, it, you know, it's really just it's just a paperback version of the book. I don't know that the uh, 
you know, I don't, I, I don't know that there was, uh, it was anything to update as far as whether or not I got new material on the called shots, you right. know, whether or not he did it or no, anything like that. I didn't, but I, you know, the one thing I would have liked to have updated that you, that you, uh, you know, that you kind of got me thinking about is the, one of the unique, it's kind of neat. One, I had a couple of unique moments that kind of spawned off of doing the book. And one of them was, uh, you know, in the book I interviewed Babe Ruth's daughter or his adopted daughter, Julia, who believe it or not is still alive. I think she's got to be close to a hundred now. And, um, you know, and it's very unique to have a, you know, to be talking to someone who's calling in 2000, whatever, 15, or what back then it was 2013, to be talking to someone who's calling Babe Ruth daddy, you know, and really was his daddy, you know, and they were very close. And so one of the neat things that happened, uh, the book came out and, um, and they got a copy of her, you know, Ju- uh, Julia and her son, Tom. Uh, they got a copy of the book, and they were in Chicago. Actually, for they had a Babe Ruth bobblehead day at Wrigley Field as part of the 100th anniversary of Wrigley Field. And Tom Stevens called me and asked if um, you know they said they really liked the book and they wanted to get together with me and have dinner. So it was, uh, you know, I was there with uh, Julia, uh, his daughter, Tom, his grandson, and Tom's wife. Uh, you know, and it was kind of a neat experience. You know, you're in this restaurant, never in my wildest dreams that I ever would have ever imagined that I would ever have dinner with Babe Ruth's daughter. And it was really a lot of fun. It was a great experience. She was a lovely person. And, uh, and, uh, even though, uh, her son, Tom didn't, it was born after Babe Ruth died, you know, they, they represent Babe Ruth at so many of these different events whenever they do something, and it's a Hall of Fame induction almost every year. So they had great stories about meeting, you know, knowing Mickey Mantle very intimately, Yogi Berra, Steinbrenner would always have them in their box. I mean, they knew all these Hall of Famers. So it was really a very memorable experience. And now didn't you get to take the book uh, to the Hall of Fame as well this summer and do it? Yeah, and that was the other kind of, that was another bucket list type moment. They have a, Hall of Fame has a, was a author series during the summer, and they invited me to do a presentation on the book, and it was really cool. You know, you go there and uh, and uh, you know, one of the neat things that I again something I never imagined in my lifetime. I walked in. I was there on a Wednesday in the summer, and um, and I got there early because I wanted to see the hall. I'd been it'd been probably ten or twelve years since I'd been there, and I'm walking around. All of a sudden, I hear on the loudspeakers, and you know, come in. Um, yeah, at one o'clock, come in here, esteemed sports writer Ed Sherman. You know, gave a presentation about the book, and I'm like, you know, is uh, is that uh, my hearing things? Is my name kind of reverberating off the walls of the Hall of Fame? You know, and, and the guy kept doing the announcement about every fifteen twenty minutes, and so again, to think that my name would be you know echoing through the halls of the Hall of Fame was uh, was pretty cool, and it was just a great experience to be there. We had a nice crowd. Um, and, uh, you know, to be able to say that, uh, you know, again, that was kind of like considering my uh, feelings for baseball and to kind of be at the Hall of Fame and have them ask me to invite me to do a presentation. It was, again, it was a, it was a very cool, a bucket list moment, to say, to say the least. Now, was your book was at that time the featured book? Was there other featured books as well? Like yeah, they said. I think they invite authors during the summer. You know, it's, you so know, cool, yeah. to make a presentation. You know, you give you give a talk, and 
so I don't know. You know, I think that this is a regular series they have. I mean, there's a number of baseball books that are written, so it's just yeah, a, you know, great idea. it's just a neat experience to do it. You know, and they put my book out there, and uh, and it's in the, it's in the uh, the bookstore, and then we did a, a signing afterwards, and. Uh, and you know, and you know that you're going to get real base. You know, for the most part, you're going to get baseball fans who are very engaged in what you have to say. It was very, I have to say, it was one of the more memorable things. It's one of those things when you write a book that you don't anticipate happening, and it was a great thing that you know you really can't put a price tag on. Yeah, talk about a target audience uh, for the book. <laughs> you found it. Uh, you know, it's interesting to me that talking about something that happened at Game Three of the 1932 World Series. And the central figure is Babe Ruth. And Babe Ruth is, is such a such a transient figure that we start – this happened – okay, this home run happened in 1932. Um, the bulk of his career was before then, around then. Yeah, it was after yeah. – it, it was his last great moment. Yeah, it was his last, last World Series home run, 15th and final World Series home run. And then, and so this was his great last great moment, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then I in 2011 started a podcast. Meet two different sports writers, great ones, and they both write books about Babe Ruth. You wrote this one, and Jane is is working on hers. It's right. Just goes to show the power of a, a guy. Well, like I Babe mean, Ruth. Can, really, can you think about another athlete who you know almost eighty years? Well, it is eighty. This year is the eightieth year after his last game. You know, and and, and we're still talking. Is there another athlete that has kind of endured that long? Who that you know that even school kids know who Babe Ruth is? Will Michael Jordan endure? 80 years from now, will people still be talking about him the way they still talk about Babe Ruth? I really, I, I doubt it. You know, um, you know, probably the most enduring athlete right now after Babe Ruth probably is, you know, Muhammad Ali. Um, I mean, I knew Michael Jordan's still relatively fresh, even though right. he played his last game about, you know, what, 15 years ago. Um, so it's not the same thing. I mean, uh, but, uh, but you think about 80 years, and, and, and he's still kind of the subject of books, and there's, you know, new books coming out about him. Um, and, uh, in fact, I just got a new book today that's coming out uh, in March from uh, Glenn Stout just did a book, The Selling of, of the Babe. I think it's about his being sold from, I didn't even look at it. I think, about it, I think it's about him from being sold to the Red Sox and the Yankees and how that changed the game. Huh. So, um you know, so I mean, there's so much parts about elements about his career that uh, are worth writing about, and that people still want to read about. And you know, and and also the MLB, Major League Baseball, is developing a, a miniseries about Babe Ruth. That not necessarily from Major League MLB Network. I mean, they're developing a miniseries that they're going to look to play somewhere about Babe Ruth. Um, so that's you know, it shows you about the remarkable reach that this guy. Uh, still has and probably always will have. Yeah, John Goodman movie was in the in the nineties hmm. or so. We there was that, yeah. and, and you know, there's just always it's always something. It's just such an amazing, like yeah, it's you just say, an amazing story. Game. And the guy was just an uh, incredible athlete and uh, and character. So that you know, it just has everything that you that you'd want um, as far as being a riveting person to connect, you know, just demanded your attention. Well, and it's a great time um, for the paperback to come out. 
uh, here in November um, for people looking for Christmas gifts uh, for dads or brothers or sisters or whoever might be interested. And, and Babe Ruth's Called Shot is available in many different formats now. And I just want to real quickly uh, mention Amazon.com is a great place to start. Uh, they have the book in hardcover, paperback, and also for the Kindle. Um, mm-hmm. So three different ways there. And, of course, it's available on iTunes um, in the, e- the e-book uh, for iTunes as well. Um, so all the great ways to get the book. And the paperbacks are now in the stores as well. Uh, I actually was at uh, Chipotle for dinner which is near a Barnes and Noble. And I said, let me look. And they had a copy there of the, Oh, uh, great. Yeah. Thank you. Of the, um, of the, uh, paperback version of the book. Uh, and also we're not going to go as much into the detail of the book as we did last time. Uh, but if you scroll down in our archives, uh, Ed and I spent at least a half an hour or more, um, talking about the book and all the different nuances of the story and what adds theory is about whether he did or didn't uh, call for the home run, uh, but I wanted to make sure uh, that we had you back at least uh, um, to cover that, and um, anything else you want to mention about the book before we hit a couple other topics? Uh, no, you know, I just think it's, you know, I, again, people kind of ask me again, did he do it or didn't he do it, and you know, I say you have to read the book to kind of but, you know, to get my answer, but, you know, whether or not he did or didn't do it, you know, again, I just kind of maintain that, you know, it was not, it was the most unique at bat in baseball history, given the circumstances and how it happened and the, what was going on in the stadium at the time and the fact that it was a World Series game and the fact that it was Babe Ruth and uh, and the, whether or not he called his shot, the bottom line was he hit one of the longest, most majestic home runs in World Series history. And it was the defining moment in his career, and there's a lot of elements, twists and turns as far as, you know, what actually happened. So it made for a pretty good story. Well, another interesting part about this particular World Series book, something that makes it somewhat unique, is the Cubs are involved. Cubs and World Series, anytime you got those together, it's unique. Um, But you just went through in October, uh, which had to be pretty fun in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked a lot about the Blackhawks runs and what those are like in Chicago. Tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about what it's like to go through a September and October, uh, like the city just had, uh, with the Cubs. Well, it was kind of, you know, it was kind of like, you know, they kind of got to the, you know, midway through the race and then this really kind of ran out of gas, but it was, you know, pretty wild here for about, uh, I'd say, you know, a month. You know, we're starting with that, uh, leading up to that wild card game uh, and the anticipation for that wild card game and then beating St. Louis. And then it kind of just ended with a, you know, unbelievable thud, you know, when they got swept by the Mets and weren't, didn't have the lead for one <laughs> at any point during the four games, which is pretty remarkable. Um, so, uh, yeah, but I think there's a lot of anticipation. Again, if it gets to the World Series in this time, I mean, it'll easily be, you know, the biggest sports story of any year that it takes place. And then if they win the World Series, it's going to, the place, the town is going to go crazy. You know, keep in mind, it's, it's not like, um, it's not like, 
everyone is for the Cubs here. You're talking to a diehard White Sox fan, and right. there's a few of us still out there. So there's a there is a segment that you know for us this is we, we've had our we had our moment in 2005, and um, but we you know, but but uh, but it, 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 it'll be unlike anything you've seen before, and I think the ratings will be pretty historic if it does happen. And and I I really do think it it'll take something incredibly hub-like to prevent them from at least going to a World Series. You know, we don't know, you know, no guarantee of ever winning one. You need a lot of things to fall into place. But this team, this team they put together looks to be pretty, pretty special. And if they can kind of fill in, you know, again, when they start like five rookies or something like that, four or five rookies they had it. I mean, these guys are just beginning to kind of, you know, figure out uh, where to go when they go to some of these stadiums and, uh, and so once they really figure it out, it's going to be it should be a pretty dynamic bunch of players. Yeah, one more pitcher, a little bit more experience. Players like Rizzo and Brian. I think they probably need a lot more experience. You know, I yeah. think that you know, you know, you're talking about guys who are 21, 22 years old. I mean, you know, look what's going to happen when they get to be 24, 25, 26 years old. Um, I mean, this team kind of is a little early. I think that you know. On one hand, it's good. On the other hand, it's going to really elevate expectations, and you know, and maybe right. it's not necessarily uh, reasonable expectations just yet. I mean, you know, you're talking about guys. I mean, look how much even Harper has had his big season this year. But this is like his fourth or fifth season. You know, Brian didn't even play a full season. He started the year in the minor leagues. Schwarber started the year in the minor leagues. You know, and. Uh, and uh, so Addison and Russell started the year in the minor leagues, and these guys didn't even have a full season. And and they already were impact players. So once they really figure it out, I think uh, uh, you know. As I always say, as a White Sox fan, I'm very envious of these guys, uh, of the young players that they have, because they're really. You know, I love baseball. You know, and I really, when Chris Bryant comes to the plate or Schwarber comes to the plate, I really, you know, I pay attention. Yeah. And uh, they're fun to watch. What uh, what is the attitude in Chicago towards Patrick Kane right now? You know that's a really good question. I think that uh, I think it. You know, I think first uh, the Cubs kind of diverted his attention. It's still kind of early for hockey. Yeah. Uh, the people got to get into hockey. I think it's kind of like there's a little bit of a holding pattern right now. I don't know that people. I think that the fact that the Chargers were dropped, you know, obviously diffuses the situation somewhat. I think that there are there. Uh, there's definitely an element of people who are still suspect about what happened and uh have a uh, you know that kind of that feel good feeling about Kane and the Blackhawks has, has dissipated uh somewhat. Um I don't know that it'll ever come back for Kane. It's gonna take a while. Um although you know, I mean it did kinda of come back for Roethlisberger, I suppose to some respect. You know, I think he I think people are gonna to want to see that, you know, you gotta you know, this wasn't the first time he was in the news and and uh, I think people. Uh, I think he's going to have to kind of show that he again the maturity level and uh, something that he hasn't shown thus far. Um, people, I think people there there were definitely were a segment of you know the Blackhawks have a high amount of women fans uh, relative to any other sport in town, mm-hmm. and 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 I guarantee you that there were significant numbers who were very turned off by him right now, and um, and you know he was the face of the franchise. Case or the phrase of the franchise, and I, you know, again, the match changed. I mean, they're not really rolling out both of those guys. You know, they can't. 
I mean, and his, his image has been tarnished, and it'll be it'll be a while, if ever, before he completely gets that back. I don't think I'll ever get it back completely in this town, but you know. Uh, but so I, th- you know, are they booing him when they go on the ice? No, they cheer when he scores a goal. Uh, you know, the Blackhawks right now really don't have everyone's attention so early in the season, and there's such a long way to go. I think now is the kind of, you know, uh, but, you know, I think usually around January 1st, people start paying more attention to hockey and definitely when we get to the playoffs. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what happens along, you know, you know, along those lines. They haven't been playing great hockey, and that's, you know, part of it. But right now they're kind of flying under the radar because it's just so early in the season. Right. I've struggled with it uh, quite a bit all summer. Um, not because I'm a big Pat Kane fan. I mean, I I've always sort of I've always sort of been proud of the fact that the best American hockey player player maybe ever was developed and born in the city where I was developed and born as a hockey player. Obviously, not to that didn't get quite as far as he did, but um. And uh, I struggled with it, and we talked to Tim Graham on the show last week, and Tim uh, did a lot of the reporting for the Buffalo News and um, uh, was really one of the top in this market, people sort of driving uh, the story. And I don't know. I've just just really struggled because there's that bizarre element of where you're waiting to hear, you know, it's like, okay, so there's this, Pat Kane brought a girl home and, and something may or may not have happened and there's an investigation. That's kind yeah, of... It's very, like, you don't know what to think. Right, so you don't know what to think. And then the next thing you hear is, but just wait, because we're going to do a, a thorough investigation and our reputation for this is great. And then the next thing you hear is, the DNA results have sort of appeared to have cleared Kane. And then the next day there's this thing with this envelope and it's like, yeah, like a mob accusation, almost like Pat Kane tampered with the evidence or something. And then the next day after that, the same lawyer is saying, man, I was duped and I won't yeah. go anywhere near this girl. Well, the bottom line was, but you know, the bottom line is, it's just very hard to, you know, he wasn't charged. And so he's never, you know, this isn't coming to court. And he didn't you know, pay but, her. He didn't pay but her in the court of public opinion, But there's also the court of public opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a significant, you know, you know, people, you know, there, there are, are going to be people who kind of will wonder, you know. I mean, you know, they don't just, they, you know, they, they law enforcement officials don't, don't go through this whole exercise because they, you know they're targeting someone. I mean, they had some at some point they had some uh, suspicion well, the girl that something said it happened. happened. Yeah, and the girl so said you know so. the fact that they couldn't pursue a case doesn't necessarily mean that you know that nothing happened. You know, it just means that they they, they don't have a strong enough case to go th- you know go through with this. And so I think that you know there's going to be that that that's that's the problem for someone who's accused of a crime. Or, or at least kind of his name comes up under suspicion that you it's very difficult to ever get rid of that stain um, uh, because of the way you know the the legal system works and the way 
people, you know, have very, you know, with the perceptions of a person, it's very hard to kind of change that. So that's something that he's going to have to work on. And probably the best, you know, best way for him to do it is just to stay out, you know, to stay out of these situations, which he just has not been able to do. Yeah, I think a big narrative almost all of last year was how much growth he had shown. Um, And I think he even referenced it at the parade saying something like, you know, everyone has talked about how mature I've become, but I need you guys the next few days or something. Um, Basically saying, you know, I'm going to be out of control. Watch me. Um, uh, But, yeah, it was a bizarre. The whole thing was, you know, the whole thing was bizarre and very troubling. And it's. And it's, you know, for a black clock team that is run by people who are very image conscious, extremely image conscious marketing, you know, the president is a marketing guy, you know, and um, and uh, they're very, he's been very, throughout the whole black run, he's been very proud of saying that, um, that not only these guys are great talented players, but they're good guys, you know, and he can't really necessarily say that anymore because of what happened with the star player. You know, and it taints the whole, you know, so in that respect, you're tainting the whole franchise. So it's just a very complicated and disturbing story. And um, for now, it's, you know, it's it, it's disappear, disappeared to somewhat. And it'll be a matter of, you know, let's see, I think people are going to kind of wait and see how he, you know, how, how he control, you know, how he, you know, what he's like. And, uh, I mean, he has not, he hasn't shied away. He's, you know, he talks to the media, he talks hockey, and, um, and, uh, but I just think that there's a little bit, it's just not the same right now. And so we'll see, you know, if it ever gets back to being what it was. Yeah. And, uh, if we never hear another word about this case and, uh, and if he keeps playing like he is, I mean, through 15 games, he leads the NHL in goals and points. He's a plus 11. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe he has, uh, gotten to a point where he's focusing on hockey um, yeah. because you could certainly the results on the ice are as good as we've ever seen from him I and mean, he's always been good i don't know if he's ever been top of the league good uh, uh but he's off to that kind of start so it'll be interesting i'll have to have you keep me posted on what the uh okay what the perceptions are of uh patrick in uh in chicago and how how things progress so we talked about kane and we talked about the book and I wanted to ask you about the thing in the middle that we talked about, which I can't even remember right now. What did we talk about in the middle of that? Oh, the Cubs. Right. Um, and we talked about that. And has everyone had about enough of Jay Cutler at this point? Well, it's funny you talk about comebacks. Jay Cutler's really making kind of a comeback here. He's actually played pretty well. Uh, I think that, you know, uh, he's had some pretty decent games where they feel like, you know, they're in the games because he's been playing well. Although he did throw a pick six last night, but they did say that might not necessarily have been his fault that the receiver might have broke wrong. That's what it looked like, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, so he's actually played fairly well, and I think people are kind of, uh, you know, of all the problems that the Bears have, he's probably the least of them right now, and he has one more year left in his contract, and it's you know now it's you know you're going to keep them. It's about, I think they own about ten million, and you know you look at the alternatives out there. You see what Dallas is doing without a quarterback, and they played a game without him and with Cutler this year. And he was they were pretty horrible. Um, so I think Cutler's kind of made a comeback. Um, 
And uh, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, <clears throat> they have about eight games left. They should be five and three instead of three and five. Um, mm-hmm. And um, But they've been competitive. So, you know, I think this new offensive coordinator, Adam Gase, has been pretty – I think he made things simple for him, and, uh, and it's helped him quite a bit. Do they like Fox there? Interesting. I don't know. You know, he's been very, I think, again, it's going to be based a lot on his record, uh, but he's probably one of the worst media coaches I've ever seen. I mean, he doesn't say anything. And I think there's a frustration level, you know, you know, that he doesn't, you know, won't, won't say anything, share anything. And I think the media is kind of very frustrated and, and that kind of sometimes get reflected, especially if the team is losing you know, how the fans will feel about him. But, um, you know, right now I think that people are somewhat, you know, that I, I think at the beginning of the year, I think they had the looks of being about a 2-14 and 14 team. And, you know, again, if they were a couple uh, field goals away from really being 5-3, and three, so they've at least been competitive with um, – everyone has injuries, so I can't really blame the injuries. But, uh, right. but uh, you know, I think they're competitive, and I think that uh, for right now, I think people kind of – you know, at least believe that there's a chance that at some point they get a few more players that can kind of really be um, a, a serious contender again. Well, the book is Babe Ruth's Called Shot, The Myth and Mystery of Baseball's Greatest Home Run by Ed Sherman, and it is now available in paperback, hardcover, and ebook formats. Would make a great Christmas present, in my opinion, or Hanukkah <laughs> present, or Kwanzaa, or anything you might be celebrating in the near future. Uh, you can find our Ed Sherman uh, on Twitter at Sherman underscore report. And his website, ShermanReport.com, is one of the great places on the Internet to go find out news about the sports media. Um, we didn't talk about Grantland, but are you going to miss it? Uh, you know, I, don't, I can't say that I read it as much as I probably wanted to. I would save stories every now and then. Because, again... Um, yeah, I think you're always going to miss a place where there's great writing, uh, but I, I do. I, I don't think that. I think it's going to reappear in other forms, and, and it's not like ESPN uh, is getting rid of long form. I mean, you know, I think that you see what they do with the magazine and Ray Thompson and people like that. So I think it just didn't make sense for them to keep it going without without. Simmons, and I think they really, you know, underestimated his follow, his following among the people who worked for him. And it just, and then it would, and you had these stories starting to come out that there's rifts. And I think, you know, they're trying, they're looking to cut back anyway, and they're looking to start this other undefeated site. And I think they just kind of, just, it did kind of make sense to pull the plug. And in retrospect, they probably should have ended it when Simmons left. It was his site. He was, his name was all over it, and just kind of. When he left, it kind of was like running, you know, it just seemed like it was operating without a head, you know. Um, and uh, so it made sense for them to, to make this decision. Yeah, and if you go to ShermanReport.com right now, uh, just below a piece on the book is an excerpt from a piece that you wrote for another site uh, about ESPN and Grantland so they can get your full uh, thoughts on that. <laughs> As well, anything else you want to lay out about? No, I think can I think you? we're good. I think it's you know I think it's there's a lot of stuff going on and uh, always an interesting time. Always good to talk to you and talk a little hockey, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see what the Blackhawks do. Um, 
a long way to go, but and you think about it, that if they that if they go to the Stanley Cup final again, you're talking about June, and we haven't even you know so you got two two seasons to go through before you get to the Stanley Cup final. You know, <laughs> it hasn't even so, snowed so. once here in Buffalo yet. I can't yeah, think about right. June yet. <laughs> so, All right, summer. I... By the time we're talking Stanley Cup final, just think about that. So. All right. Well, I'll let you get to the debate. I know you're uh, okay. I appreciate it. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, so I want to thank Ed Sherman for being on the podcast today. Always love when Ed comes in talk about his book. I want to also thank our football guest. Yeah. He was great. Pigskin. Woo. You can hear this podcast and all of our podcasts on our website, www.sports-casters.com. You can also find us on Twitter at sports underscore casters. Uh, you can email us at sportscasters at gmail.com. You can find Don on Twitter at DonLikeSports. Got a lot of uh, feedback and a lot of new listeners uh, from the Tim Graham yeah. podcast. Boy, Tim Graham did a great job promoting for us after he was on. I can't thank him enough for that, uh, for sure. Um, and if you're new because it's him, hopefully we did enough today to uh, keep you around for at least one more. Uh, the way we end these shows is we uh, we leave with one last thing, just a quick opinion. Uh, and mine today is about Seth Rollins. Uh, Seth Rollins, you may know, won the uh, WWE Championship at WrestleMania uh, 31 in Santa Clara uh, when he cashed in his Money in the Bank uh, contract and was able to steal the belt from Brock Lesnar without having to go anywhere near Brock Lesnar just kind of wedged his way into Brock's match against Roman Reigns and pin Reigns instead well the WWE was in Dublin last week and um, Seth Rollins landed uh, funny and he tore his ACL and his MCL real life real life Ugh. yeah it's uh be a fun angle, but I don't think they've got <laughs> faked the the Atari ACL. Just have a guy crutches. Yeah, and no, stuff. he. Uh, it's not like Lex uh, Luger with the pins. He tore his ACL and uh, officially forfeited uh, his title run, which was a long one. I mean, WrestleMania was in April, and he still held it when he when he tore it. And he probably would have went WrestleMania to WrestleMania, which is hard to do these days. He's going to be out six to nine months, and it's kind of a crazy time for the company because. John Cena's taking time off until after Christmas uh, to supposedly do some kind of project. Okay. Uh, Randy Orton uh, is injured, got injured, his shoulder taken out the garbage, allegedly, I guess. I mean, I have no reason to believe it's not going to happen, but just goes into the bizarre things that happen in wrestling column. Um, and it's just... Uh, what do you do now? And what they did is they set up a tournament uh, that will conclude at Survivor Series this month. And I got to tell you, it is just a jabron list of competitors. 
in this tournament. I don't remember Survivor Series. Isn't that in itself a tournament of sorts? Uh, the gimmick of Survivor Series, the cla- when they have a classic Survivor Series match, it's a five-on-five elimination oh, okay. tag team match. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, usually they'll have one or two of those at the Survivor Series pay-per-view. Okay. But unlike in, say, 1987 when it debuted, they don't usually have the whole show be those. Okay. Um, in the 1998 Survivor Series, there was a championship tournament uh, that was won by The Rock. Okay. There are no rocks. No. In this tournament. Um, this would be an interesting time to play, like, who does Don know? Like and we do it with the baseball playoffs. We are. We division are, leaders. We are going to do that. Okay. Um, because I'm going to guess you don't know many of these guys at all. I do occasionally flip on wrestling just to kind of see, like, my daughter's reaction to it. Or I, I have been a fan in the past, but it doesn't normally. We've talked about this before, too. Raj is too long. Oh, yeah. Three hours. Uh, way too long. Um, and hopefully they're not going to make me like search the world for <laughs> this thing. On All right. Website. I was going to bring it up while you're looking. I was going to bring something up related to this during my thing. Cause my thing's kind of short. So I had a couple things. Um, you've been to taped events before or no? Yeah. Okay. How obvious is it when they go to commercial that they've gone to commercial? Cause I know it's a thing now to go to commercial, like in the middle of the matches. Like I don't think that used to be a thing back when I used to watch Raw, but now they just we'll be right back or whatever. No, yeah, it's very obvious when they go. It's just two guys kind of pushing each other, not doing a whole. No, because they broadcast on their app. It's a selling point for their app. You can watch. Oh, what you're not seeing? Are you you're not are you missing much, or they keep it real safe? Mission part of the match, but it's like good. They still wrestle and try and do stuff. Yeah, yeah. Even even done pins now and again. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So have you heard of Roman Reigns? No, I don't think so. Okay, well, he's probably going to win it. Okay. Um, that'd be my guess. You've heard of the big show. Yes. Have you heard of Cesaro? Maybe. That sounds familiar. you heard of Sheamus? Yes. Okay, Cesaro defeated Sheamus. Okay. Uh, he'll face Roman Reigns in round two. Have you heard of Alberto Del Rio? <laughs> I think so. Just returned. He defeated Stardust in round one. Have you heard of Stardust? No. Gold Dust related at all? It's his brother. Oh, okay. Cody Rhodes, the youngest son of Dust- the Dusty recently Rhodes. passed away Dusty Rhodes. Uh, Kalisto, I'm sure you've never heard of. No. You ever heard of Ryback? Yeah, that sounds familiar. I don't remember why. But uh, what's his gimmick? Yeah, big steroid guy. Oh, okay. I don't. I wouldn't be able Feed to point me him more. out. Okay. Uh, he lost Del Rio versus Kalisto. So that's one half of it. Mm-hmm. Clearly, Roman Reigns is the guy who's winning that half of it. You heard of Titus O'Neil? No. You heard of Kevin Owens? I don't think so. Kevin Owens is a really cool uh, young star from their de- developmental who's actually been wrestling for 15 years. Oh, okay. Uh, have you heard of Neville? No. Wade Barrett? No. Wade Barrett sounds like a baseball second baseman or something. Dolph Ziggler. Yes. Uh, the Miz. Yes. Dean Ambrose. I think so. Tyler Breeze. No. Wasn't uh, The Miz out of the company for a while, or am I thinking of somebody else? Uh, the Miz does movies. Who was the one that got in some trouble for being real outspoken and like did something? Uh, it's not The Miz. 
I'll think of it after as soon as we stop talking about it. Uh, well, anyway, uh, this tournament stinks. Yeah. Uh, clearly, Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose is the final, in my opinion. Uh, they're two thirds of the Shield. I think I was thinking of CM Punk. Oh uh, yeah, he's gone. Very gone. Yeah. Um, and I feel bad for for Reigns or uh, excuse me for Rollins. Yeah, it's a he had a nice run going. He's at the pinnacle of his break. career, his yeah. profession, and uh, he tears his ACL. Uh, but it really brings to light some bad news for the WWE, and that is they don't have 16 guys worthy no, of I a guess championship not. tournament. Are any of those guys uh, from what's their show, the reality show? Total have, Divas? No, don't they have – what was the other one? Tough Enough? Or is that the uh, – Tough Enough, yes, is – uh, the Miz was on Tough Enough. I don't think he won it. Oh, okay. But they are getting some talent. And Ryback. They don't do it regularly enough to get talent from Oh, uh, okay. They get talent from NXT, which is their deve- developmental, which is, I mean, a, unbelievable how much money and how beautiful it is. And, is that the one in Calgary? Uh, no, it's in Tampa. Oh, okay. Um, this kind of segues nicely from wrestling to my thing. I love Rex Ryan, the personality. I'm not sure I love him as a coach, and that's kind of what Jets fans said as he left. But uh, And I would have said this. You can go back onto the podcast and listen back when they were on uh, Hard Knocks. He's such he's – he's a likable guy. He's, he's uh, larger than life, and he's a troll. Uh, I don't know how cool – I don't know how cool it is to make I.K. Enempale, however you say his name, one of the – I don't know how classy a move it is to make him one of the captains for the coin toss and send him out there to shake hands with probably Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I imagine is one of the captains. Not overly cool, in my opinion. But it's pretty funny. To me, it's the funny, the funniest or second funniest handshake move since Jeff Fisher sent out all the... That was a straight-up troll job. Yes, huh? and all the drafted players from the RG3 thing. I, I find all that stuff really entertaining. I don't know if that's going to make him many friends, but uh, and like I said, I liked Mike Pettin's defense and Schultz's defense better than Rex's defense, which is what he's known for. So I don't know if I like him much as a coach yet, but uh, I love that move as a troll job. And that's my last thing. The only other thing I was going to kind of throw out there, and me and you can discuss this off the air, is I'm curious, and people can write into you, what people, if people find any value to the website itself. Because a few times we've had problems with the website, um, and it causes some headaches. And I'm yeah. wondering if we can find alternate means of just – all we have to do is have a podcast hosted somewhere with an RSS feed to feed to iTunes and Podkicker and Stitcher and whoever else. So I'm just curious what the value is to having – Well, my guess is the biggest value is that it's, uh, it validates us to people who are looking in from outside when we request – yeah, it might be easier for that purpose. Yeah. I mean, maybe I can even just leave a front page up or something. But it, it's something that's been going on in my head. Like, I don't visit the web page of any of the podcasts I listen to, and I'm wondering how many people visit ours, I guess. Yeah, then let us know. The yep. sportscast is at gmail.com. How important is the website? Yeah.